This episode is brought to you by Tegas, the go-to destination for bold investing. The investment research platform trusted by 95% of the top 20 global private equity firms just got even better. Building on their solid reputation for expert insights, Tegas has expanded to become the first true all-in-one research platform. The new Tegas makes diligence faster, easier, and more convenient than ever before. Your Tegas license gives you access to over 70,000 expert transcripts, more than 4,000 fully drivable financial models, and exclusive data sets like company management checks, industry KPIs, hard-to-find non-GAAP data, and more. Tegas is the fastest way to learn about a public or private company and the most cost-effective way to conduct investment research, now all under one roof. Learn more and get your free trial at tegas.com slash Patrick. This is Business Breakdowns. Business Breakdowns is a series of conversations with investors and operators diving deep into a single business. For each business, we explore its history, its business model, its competitive advantages, and what makes it tick. We believe every business has lessons and secrets that investors and operators can learn from, and we are here to bring them to you. To find more episodes of Breakdowns, check out joincolossus.com. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions. Hosts, podcast guests, their employers, or affiliates may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This is Zach Fuss, an investor at Irenic Capital. Today, we're breaking down Argenix, an immunology company founded in 2008 by its three founding partners. Today, it's a $30 billion company set to produce over a billion dollars in sales. They're known for their skill in developing antibodies for complex disease targets and know a large part of their medical breakthroughs to llamas, which have similar antibodies in their immune system to those found in humans. To break down Argenics, I'm joined by Julia Angelis, an investment manager at Bailey Gifford. Throughout this conversation, we'll discuss how Argenics navigates the complex world of drug development, clinical trials, regulatory approvals, and the ultimate commercialization of autoimmune therapies. We'll also learn more about their transition from a venture capital-backed business to its 2017 IPO, and today, a meaningful revenue-generating business. We hope you enjoy this business breakdown. All right, Julia, thank you for joining us today to discuss Argenics. It's a business that works on solving a number of different autoimmune diseases. The business is doing incredible work. It's having tons of success. And so maybe just to start understanding that this is a very complex topic, a basic explainer on kind of the immune system and autoimmune diseases and how it all works and the problems that they're addressing. Thank you so much for having me. So immune system is a very complex network of cells and proteins. And I personally find it to be one of the most fascinating organs or kind of biology tools. It does protect us from infections and diseases like cancer. And a strong immune system is really fundamental to our health. Unfortunately, over our lifespan, our immune system can evolve in many different directions. For some, it gets stronger and we can maintain it through the healthy lifestyle. But for some people, unfortunately, it gets out of balance and we get a wide range of diseases. And allergy is probably one of these diseases that people are most familiar with. When basically your immune system turns against innocent particles like pollen, it starts considering them as invaders and start attacking them. 
This in turn causes inflammation, all the symptoms associated with allergies like sneezing, coughing, and really feeling unwell. In the case of autoimmune diseases, actually the mechanism is very, very similar. Instead of pollen, immune system actually attacks healthy tissue, healthy cells of human body. It's like the body turns against itself, which is quite a frightening thought. And there are really, really wide range of diseases. Again, most of the people would be familiar with type 1 diabetes. In this particular case, the immune system attacks certain cells in pancreas that produce insulin. And therefore, actually, patients are actually not able to generate any insulin and therefore required to get insulin injections as a treatment. So in the case of Argenics, they focus exactly on a very wide range of autoimmune diseases. Some of those diseases like CADP, NMG, the immune system attacks nervous cells, nerve system of the body, and cause all sorts of disabilities. For example, in the case of CADP, it's a progressive disease. And at certain stage, patients actually losing ability to move, and 30% of patients end in a wheelchair. And really an unfortunate thing for patients, at the moment, there is no really proper treatment for this condition. The current way of treating it remains rather barbaric because of the various side effects. For example, if we take intravenous immunoglobulin, it takes more than eight hours to infuse the therapy in the hospital. And after that, patients might experience flu-like symptoms. They could also vomit, they could have a rash, and there is also risk of acute renal failure. So if we take our genetics technology, it actually allows us entirely rethink about the treatment options for patients with a wide range of autoimmune diseases. So not only their treatment is far more effective than any other existing treatments, it can be administered just within 30 seconds, and eventually patients will be able to do it themselves. They don't need any doctors or nurses to help them with medicine. So if we take it in the context of the history of the disease, it's a massive breakthrough, and those patients didn't see any proper innovation over the past 30 years. So that's why this really makes us truly exciting. I think that was a very helpful and extensive background. I guess if I were to ask you to distill it into like two or three sentences, what is it that Argenix does? I would say that Argenix develops effective treatment for autoimmune diseases. It solves the problem of future unmet need because so far patients don't have any good treatment to help them. You mentioned things like diabetes being autoimmune. They obviously have quite a prolific impact on the broader population. But my understanding is that there's an extremely long tail of more specific autoimmune diseases that Argenix addresses. What are some of the kind of unique solutions that they are producing to address these edge cases of health? The whole area of autoimmune diseases is very poorly understood. And that's why so far we haven't been able to actually develop a treatment which is very specific for those diseases. And so the current way of approaching it is pretty much like a scattergun when we throw steroids because they just pacify the immune system in a very undifferentiated way. And by pacifying it, you know, we hope it's going to address this particular disease. But as we know, the steroids have many side effects, but it's also because of this non-specificity 
other type of treatments like immunoglobulins, which I mentioned before too, is exactly the same problem. We're giving a cocktail of antibodies to a patient and we don't really understand what mechanism at the play to actually help patients, but we know it works. And what Argenix does, it's the first time we have actually very specific type of approach when we truly understand the mechanism of action and why this particular drug leads to the patient outcome, to a clinical benefit. And it's because they target a certain pathway in biology, which is responsible for recycling those pathogenic antibodies, those antibodies that attack healthy cells. And when we block that passage of recycling, then those antibodies just get out of the system. And that's why there is nothing to attack the healthy cell. So what I'm saying is the first time we actually have a type of treatment, which is very specific, we truly understand the biology, how it works, and how that biology actually is connected to the disease, and why by doing that, we can actually lead to differentiated clinical outcomes for patients. And so if I kind of look across the broader biotech and biopharma space, generally we see extremely promising therapies in regards to cancer, Alzheimer's, but to me at least, it feels like autoimmune diseases don't receive the same level of attention, and maybe I'm wrong about that. What are kind of some of the key differences as to why research organizations are looking to address these autoimmune diseases versus the broader ecosystem of cancer, Alzheimer, diabetes drugs, et cetera? This is a very good observation. As we know, cancer is probably the most well-funded and research area, and that's why we actually very well advanced in getting closer to cure cancer. But I would say really advances in all other areas following cancer is a product of that there is so much exciting things happening on the technology side that allow us to start making shift in understanding diseases which were very hard to address in the past. And this is connected to genomics, our ability to sequence genomes at scale, and also data science that interrogating biology, really learning from the blueprint, actually what are possible causes of diseases. So all that is actually shifting profoundly our understanding of the biology of diseases. And cancer always been kind of the front runner, but everything else is not starting picking up. And in the case of autoimmune diseases, it's a bit even more complicated. I wouldn't compare it with Alzheimer's. I still think brain is probably the most complicated thing, but autoimmune is probably not far from complexity because the complexity of the immune system with many different ingredients which interact within each other, but also with the body, which and then causes diseases. And that understanding is not here. So that's kind of the result of lacking tools to really study the biology of immune system. And this is changing now. Argenix is just one of those companies that have been really good at exploring and getting good understanding of the deep biology of those diseases. And then if I kind of take a step back and try to, I guess, frame how big of an opportunity this is, do they think about their market in regards to the addressable market or the dollar amount? How do they attack it? The opportunity actually is untapped in certain ways. At the moment, the company has 13 programs in clinical trials just based on one mechanism of the immune system. So this is the most advanced programs and we have most understanding in terms of mechanism, how it works. 
but the opportunity to scale it by another dose is there because what we are learning that actually autoantibodies, it is exactly the mechanism that Argenix targeting is present in many, many different diseases. So at the moment, they have 13 and they can expand it over the next few years, potentially to another two or five. But I wouldn't be surprised that in five, 10 years, you can probably see 30, 40 for that particular target. So there is immense scalability in it. And if you think about in terms of dollar terms, if you just take the US in the case of one of their diseases where Argenix already have a product on the market, there's 60,000 patients. In Europe, is the same number. So when you start adding all those diseases together, you can easily get to over the million. So if you think about the addressable market and the pricing that the company managed to negotiate with payers, you can easily see how it can become one of the best-selling drug in history. And I'm not saying it lightly. I truly believe it can because, as I say, the power and the strong biology this drug addresses. If you don't mind, when you say it could be one of the biggest drugs in history, what is like the simple math of that? Do you think about it from like the number of patients times the number of treatments times cost of reimbursement? When we look at the valuation and trying to assess the opportunity, you know, we are modeling most what you can see. But still, we invest on the basis of the invisible part because we know there are more drugs coming into the pipeline. But if you just take what you can see, you know, the first four most advanced diseases. So the first one is already generating $400 million on the first year of launch and growing very, very strongly. And when you just take the number of patients, the pricing that the company managed to negotiate in the US, and we know that conversations in Europe, Japan, also advancing very healthy so just based on that, you can see how it can become seven, eight billion dollar opportunity within next five, seven years with the launches and everything. So um, and that's just for the first four programs. And then we are not talking about another nine and anything that hasn't been actually introduced to the clinical. And all of those are really big diseases. So therefore, you can see how it can get to more than 20 billion dollars. And there are only a few drugs that actually deliver that. Now that we've done a great job providing the context for this business, the problem they're addressing, the opportunity, I'd be curious how you guys came across the business. In some ways, it's one of the largest pharmaceutical companies that I've never heard of. So clearly, I've been living under a rock. But you guys have been invested and involved for a long time. I'd love to learn more about the origin story of that investment. Again, just to remind that, Argenix focuses on technology called antibodies. So antibodies are produced by immune system, but what Argenix does, they produce antibodies outside the human immune system. Antibodies can be derived from many different types of animals. So we can use mice, goats, rabbits, sharks, and llamas. And in terms of the nature of antibodies from each animal, each of those would have its own advantages and disadvantages. Before encountering Argenix, I came across another Belgium-based company called Ablinks. Ablinks was developing antibodies based on llamas' immune system. And what I found out that llamas actually have really differentiated type of antibodies that allow us to do new things that we couldn't do with any other types from other animal models. But unfortunately, very shortly after I came across Ablinks, it got acquired by Sanofi. And then a few months later, I have been asked whether I was interested to meet with Argenix. And then when I heard the word llamas, that was a very strong hook for me because I already knew that there was something special there about 
the source of antibodies and potential differentiated factors. Interestingly, so I went also back and tried to understand why Lamas, why Belgium, because it was such a coincidence that two companies coming from Belgium and they're both focusing on the antibodies derived from Lamas. And it was a really fascinating story about how actually students entirely serendipitously have discovered those antibodies. And it was done in the Belgium Research Institute. And this became a hub for Lamas and studying the property of their antibodies. So this is the history of it. And just to kind of highlight what is a major advantage of using Lamas antibodies, one is diversity and it matters. So the broader range of antibodies, the better choice we can make, but also they're similar to human antibodies. And this matter for the quality of the final product. Our genes, of course, wouldn't be that successful if we just use pure Lamas antibodies because there is also a lot of technologies that go on top of it. So the company actually, after deriving them from the animal, there is a lot of modifications need to take place to make it to a drug. And what the company has, it has a stack of different technologies to really make it very specific and safe for patients and also convenient in the way it's administered to the patient. So there's several technologies that the company has patent on that actually differentiate beyond just being sourced from llamas. So if I'm understanding this correctly, this company takes biomaterials from other mammals that are similar but have differentiated characteristics to what we have in our own immune system, and then they can create therapies leveraging kind of the unique nature of those antibodies and then administer them to humans. It sounds like science fiction. Is that correct? Yeah, it's not the same fiction anymore. We've been doing it for like four decades or even longer. <laughs> so this is the field of antibodies. It's been pioneered by companies like Genentech. In the biology space, it's not a science fiction anymore. What other animals have they been deriving antibodies from? Most companies working with mice, and it's also quite a successful model, but they are experiments with sharks. The sharks' antibodies, they have some commonality with llamas. And yeah, only a few companies like Argenics working with Lamas. And so this company has been around now for 15 years. In 2008, the founders had an idea. They've created a massive business and commercial operation around it. Can you just kind of take us through the evolution of how this business came to exist and then where we are in its evolution today? It's a hard journey for any biotech company, especially in the European context. In general, as we know, it could take more than a decade to develop a drug and also takes billions of dollars and success rate for the industry around 10%. It's actually a very tough industry to be in. And because of the risk profile, it's very hard to attract investors into this industry. And the European investors tend to be even more risk averse than, for example, investors in the US. So being a biotech startup in Europe is really, very difficult. Argenics have been in that very difficult situation. You know, they've been really raising here and there, not more than 60 million before proper round for many, many years and had to really survive on a very low funding. But they did a fantastic job. They developed the science and only with a bigger investor joining, and it was a US-based investor and introduced, first gave more capital, but also aligned the interest with the company with a more long-term ambition of building the business rather than develop one asset and sell it to the large pharma company. And when you change that mindset, the strategy also changes. And that was, I would say, was quite pivotal in the company history when they actually realized they don't need to be one asset. 
company, but actually they're platform-based and they can think about multiple drugs in the future and remaining independent company. So this has been one of the crucial comments and that investor is called Orbimat. So they played a very significant role in the evolution and success of the company. But then what happened as a company was making more progress and actually normally progress in biotech associated with a more demand for capital, because as you move to the late stage trials, they're much more expensive as you recruit more patients. And company was still not very well capitalized to do that. And this is actually was the moment where our roads crossed back in 2018. We spent a lot of time actually after the first time we met, we spent at least a year really trying to understand the technology, the management, how aligned we are, what is ambition level, what is really actually different about the company. And when we decided to invest in the company, instead of taking a position through the secondary market, we actually did a round with the company. And also we did it in such a way we were anchor investors, support the company to raise more money. And the first round we've done, we invested more than $200 million in the company. And after that, we've done another three rounds. And actually, the most recent one is as fresh as from yesterday. So we gave exactly the same amount again. And the company raised another billion dollars on the market yesterday. So I would say the history of the biotech is really very much connected to the capital cycle. And what the company has done particularly well is their ability to attract long-term investors who are interested to supporting the company over the long term and making sure that whatever progress they made is not going to be sacrificed. I guess what I want to understand is just taking me through the process of solving an autoimmune disease, or at least attacking it. How does the company work with people who have these issues How expensive is it? How do they experiment and improve out? And how long does it take to develop? I just want to better understand the process that they're going through. There are many different ways to approach it. Many companies would study the biology of disease inside a house and then find a way how to tackle that disease. What is really different about Argenics is that they're not a biology company. Actually, the entire biology know-how comes from academia. What the company is really good at is actually antibody development. So the first target of the company, it came from Academic Institute, where actually researchers spent decades really studying the biology of disease. They really understand on a very deep level how disease works, what are possible drivers for the disease, and how you can possibly target it. The strategy of Argenics is to identify those research groups which are truly specialists in certain area, engage with them first, learn about it, and then build partnership with those academic groups and start developing drug together. We can ask the question, like anyone can go and build partnerships with academia, how differentiated it is. Building true collaborative relationship with academia is not as straightforward. It requires certain cultures, especially from the company side. If the company behaves in a very protective way, if they don't share all the data, if they don't also give academia enough freedom to experiment, take risks, and really study the biology, then that relationship will never work. And what the Argenics doing really, really well the way they engage with academic researchers is almost they become part of their company. And I've been told if you enter the room, 
and there is a project group working on one particular disease or target, you wouldn't tell who is actually from the company and who is external from academia because it's such tight group work and really team spirit. Talk to a few of those academic groups just to understand actually how it works. And they told me it's very, very different from large pharma companies because in the case of large pharma, it's much more transactional. It's very much driven by you know milestones. There is not so much flexibility. You find something else, you have to stick to the agreement. So it's a very, very different type of agreement, but also the cultural flavor of interaction which doesn't allow like to share all the information and being truly explorative. I would say this is the key differentiation. So the way the study happening, you know, the way we study biology is actually happening in academic labs, but the company is very good in identifying those breakthroughs and engaging with these groups and then building partnerships and on the back of it, developing drugs. At any given time, how many specific autoimmune diseases are they working towards At the moment, there are around 15, 16, which are kind of more visible to us, which is in the pipeline. But as I say, I suspect because of the biology, which they really understand and they have already the drug for, it actually could apply to so many different other diseases. So it can be expounded by another 10, 20, 30, and potentially more. And they can really also potentially go for bigger diseases. Multiple sclerosis is one of those. I would say where the company is now is really probably just the beginning because they have an early validation of their technology that it works. And now they just need to gradually build out for all these diseases which is out there. Today, this business is a 30 billion US dollar market cap. They're going to produce in excess of a billion dollars in sales. And presumably that's going to continue to grow at an extremely healthy pace. What are some of the more important markers? Like what were their initial accomplishments that told the market and gave you guys the confidence to continue to invest in the company? The way we invest in the companies is we look at many different characteristics, but management and the company's culture plays incredible role. One is a major ingredient in our investment process. And I would say this is a company that really stood out on the execution And it's not just execution, but actually the way they go about and try to solve the problem. So one of the questions in our research framework we have, what is the evidence that the company cares about patient and why it sounds like a very simple question? It's actually very, very hard to answer it because on one side, you would say any biotech companies would make that claim and because they're developing a drug that should help the disease. But Not every single company is truly doing it in a way that's going to make a difference for a patient. And sometimes there are more just purely economic interests rather than actually solving a problem. But in the case of Argenics, what really stood out for us, the entire strategy was aligned around making a difference for a patient. And we strongly believe when you can truly do that, if you make a difference, then that would lead to investment returns. Actually, that hypothesis has been validated so far. So I talk about the differentiated technology and the way the company develops drugs is the patient is the only focus. First of all, this drug has to be effective. But another aspect they really take seriously is safety. Safety is about minimizing off-target interaction of the drug. 
So off-target means when drugs are interacting with biology, which is not connected to the disease, and actually start causing other diseases, because the drug could also start stopping some healthy processes. Very often we take drugs and it treats one thing and then it damages another one. And by the end of it, actually many patients in many different diseases, actually they don't want to take that drug because the side effects are so horrendous. And in the case of autoimmune diseases and drugs that Argenix develops, actually, because when you start stop recycling of autoantibodies, but you still need some antibodies to perform their vital function because there would be healthy antibodies that needs to be recycled. As if you really overdo on that process, and if you not do it precisely enough, and you stop recycling of healthy antibodies, then you can start to get infections. Then actually you start weakening the immune system in a very unhelpful way. So what the company managed to achieve, while they block this recycling, they still managed to maintain the healthy functioning of the immune system. And then they take the third component into consideration, which is a convenience. So they also think about the patient's experience of the treatment, because of course, patients would be ready to do anything, you know, to get a treatment and spending hours with infusions in a hospital. But for the Argenics, it was always been the case, how we really can make a difference, how the patients experience the disease and treatment. And therefore, the first generation of the drug was based on intravenous treatment. So when you actually need to go to the hospital and get through the infusion, it takes one hour, but it's quite inconvenient for patients. But the second generation of the drug is subcutaneous. So it's an injection in the muscle, which completely changes the experience of the treatment. So first, this is quite unique when the company actually takes all that into account and really everything is driven by making a difference for patient. But another area where it shows is actually how the company run clinical trials. Most of the companies run clinical trials with data points to get to the approval. It's the data which is required by regulators to get through the approval. In the case of Argenics, not only they've done this, which is obviously they have to, but they also collected additional type of data that captured actually the patient's experience more broadly, the impact of the drug on patient's life and experience of the drug. And again, that demonstrates the care for patients. But what it also meant is that that additional data actually was very also helpful for them when they went to their insurers and payers and start negotiating the price because they could really demonstrate not only that this drug works based on the certain data, but actually what the difference it does in kind of real life setting for patients. And they can really demonstrate the value to the system. They managed to negotiate a very good price from the payers. And because they also engage with the patients groups early on in the process, the doctors already had understanding of the drug and what difference it can make for the patient. The commercial launch of the drug was truly successful. It's one of the best launches in history of the biotech. Going back, it's all connected, really being a company that truly cares about patient. I was hoping that you can take us through the P&L of this business a little bit, because it wasn't that long ago this business was doing only $80 million in sales. Over the LTM period, they're exceeding $600 million. Consensus for 2023 has them exceeding a billion, and the business is continuing to grow at a nonlinear rate for a long time. What is the composition of that revenue? And then we spoke earlier about how the basic revenue model is for these drugs, but I'm trying to better understand where they started to commercialize and how they go to market. 
biotech businesses, the way their revenue normally evolves until you have a drug on the market, you truly depend on milestones from your partnerships. But as you become a commercial, so your revenue sources become diversified and there where you have an opportunity to become a sustainable biotech business. And I would say Argenics is really on the true path to become a sustainable biotech. Last year's revenue were around 400 million. This year, they're probably going to be more than double than that. The growth is going to continue strongly as with more commercial launches across other disease areas. And as I said before, you know, just based on the most advanced diseases in the pipeline, which is around four diseases, the revenue could hit around five, seven billion within the next five, seven years. I would say this is quite realistic. And then in terms of the bottom line profitability, it's actually, it's interesting because on one hand, as long-term investors, we don't really want our companies to be profitable as quickly as possible if there is opportunity for them to invest in the long-term and really thinking about the long-term value generation rather than actually getting short-term wins. So if the companies still have very attractive investment opportunities, it can continue investing in the pipeline, in the technology in the case of Argenics, I think for them, probably the best would be continue investing at scale. They're probably going to be cash sufficient over the next five years, but they might still burn a lot of cash, still investing a lot further in the pipeline, given the opportunity set. As I say, for this business, it would be easy to turn profitable if they turn off the R&D spend. But given the size of the opportunity, we believe that actually it really makes sense for them to keep investing. We might not see any green numbers, you know, over the next three, five years, but this is certainly a very, very good business. And then my presumption is that these companies spend a ton of money to prove out the efficacy of the drugs, and then they operate at an extremely high gross margin, which then consumes dollars in sales and marketing and distribution. What are the margins of like a commercialized drug? So the margins are very wide range in the industry. You have companies like Nova Nordisk have operating margins in the range of from 30 to 40. And then you can have those lower ones more like in the mid something 20s. So it is very good business. But actually with Argenics, I believe it could be one of the highest quality businesses in the industry. And it's mostly connected to the capital efficiency. So when I talk about that, it takes more than 10 years and billions of dollars with a very low success rate. That's what defines the economic of the business. It's a success rate. And I believe that actually this company could skew risk reward in such a way that it's also profoundly changes the economics of the business. So if you think about the probability of approval of the drugs in the pipeline, they are not 10%, they look more like 60, 70%, which is a very different proposition. And the reason for that, because as we discussed before, we truly understand the biology we target and what the difference it makes for patients. So I would say that for this company, the profitability should look much more attractive than for probably the best pharma out there. And we kind of discussed this earlier, but I guess with the drugs that they brought to market thus far, I think you said that there's maybe a high single digit billion revenue opportunity, presumably as they find new and innovative autoimmune solutions, the addressable market will expand beyond that. What are some of the other promising parts of the pipeline that you guys pay the most attention to? I know there's some recent news, so perhaps it's worth exploring or unpacking that a bit further. There are a few other drugs in the pipeline 
which target a different biology. And some of this also connected to autoimmune diseases. So this is what we are watching. So we're mainly looking at, can that repeat? Can the first drug, which already highly de-risked, can that type of approach be replicated somewhere else in the pipeline? But I would say, again, it's again, it's a range of autoimmune diseases. And they're also looking, some of this in partnership in oncology too. So it's not just autoimmune company, though we talked about it as a autoimmune disease company, but the opportunity is actually much more broader. We're really looking for the signals on their underlying platforms. Can that repeat again? What sort of validation we are getting? And so what we are looking now is like, so they just had actually a a very good and promising readout from their second drug. And we're just waiting, can that actually start repeating across more diseases, not just in one disease? And of course, thinking about also what is invisible. It's like exploring, okay, like the questions you've been asking, you know, how many actually autoimmune diseases out there that can possibly target? And these type of questions we keep thinking about. You've talked about some of the other companies that operate in space. It seems like what Argenix is doing is unique in its approach, but presumably they have competition. What is the competitive landscape look like? Sometimes I would say because autoimmune diseases remain such an unmet need, actually it's not so much competition between the companies, it's more competition of changing the standard of care and changing the mindset of the doctors. And that's probably their largest competition at this stage. But of course, later on, they would be facing other drug companies trying to copy the same uh, target. And of course, many companies are already working on that target. Some of the companies, um, UCB, J&J also is working on that target. You find a wide range of companies looking at it. But what is interesting, just based on their initial data, when you compare their drug that goes exactly for the same target to Argenix's, And there is a massive difference. More importantly, it's on the safety, which is very, very important. So as I say, many companies can try to do the same, but we believe that Argenix has a lead in terms of first working with the top people in the area from biology know-how and then bringing that unique capability in antibody development. To add the third layer to the competitive landscape is, of course, anything disruptive that could happen in terms of the technologies, because there might be another biology pathway that could be even more powerful. And that's kind of known unknown to us because we're still learning about the biology and those things can happen. We just need to be open-minded and continuously explore what could be possibly the other way of treating those diseases. Can we find really a smart way to reset immune system, like in more broader way? But it's all very, very exciting. And as I say, you know, because of the high unmet need, it's something that we're losing our sleep over because we need just to do so much for patients now. And the company is so well positioned to do it over the next decades or several decades. To push back on the flip side, the technology is obviously incredibly promising. They've demonstrated initial success. They have a robust pipeline. But what do you think are the biggest risks inherent in this business model or particularly focused on this business? I would say for me, the biggest risk, and it's related to culture of the company. As I mentioned before, the reason why collaborations with academia work, it is connected to the company's culture. And now Argenix is becoming a commercial organization. It's growing very strongly in terms of the employee size, in terms of geographic diversification. The culture would be going through a 
big changes. And for us, the question is, can they really maintain that unique qualities that allow them to get to the first success in the beginning? So can they actually repeat it? But it is very much driven by the company's culture. So if anything we really consider as a biggest risk is a cultural dilution, especially when you become the commercial organization and how the company start prioritizing what matters. And sometimes when you start to get revenues, you know, the commercial organization could become too powerful and decision could be driven by the commercial opportunity rather than science, which is not a bad thing. But when it starts to dominate, then eventually you could start making bad decisions on the R&D side. I'm curious for you as someone that invests broadly in the space, how do you get comfort or perhaps further educate yourself on this type of complex science? Is there a scuttlebutt method that you can take in order to learn more? Where else can people kind of research and try to evaluate investments in the autoimmune space? Our approach to research is that we try to tap into the best minds out there who actually understand the area because we are very well aware at Bailey Gifford, for example, we cannot hire all the brilliant minds. Certain areas are very niche areas. So our approach is really to build relationship also with academia, exactly what Argenix does, and engage with those scientists and really learn from the best minds. And the reason why we can do it is because of our long-term approach. So we are not there to speculate on the market and just use the data somehow to gain. But we actually also try to build relationship with academia. And we also share our perspective because over time, we also accumulate a lot of knowledge from different academic groups or companies and also can actually help academics to think about certain opportunities. So it also becomes a very mutually beneficial relationship. So this is the way we approach it. So it's more actually identifying top people in different areas, and then just building relationship with them and learning over time. That's a fantastic segue into our concluding question. You as someone that invests kind of broadly across the biopharma space, what are lessons you've learned from this business that you can apply to other potential investments and for companies that you're evaluating and for building the next $20 billion plus biotech business? What are lessons they can borrow from our genics and apply to their own businesses? The key lesson from Argenics would be how you proactively build your shareholder base to ensure the survival of your business. Argenics was very deliberate looking for long-term shareholders that could help them to build the business. And I would say every single company have to think about it. But of course, you can't do it if you don't have really good quality signs. And if you also don't have people to execute on the potential. So I would say that would be the advice to other companies. I think what the company done exceptionally well. The second advice would be is also how they approach commercial. So they invested already in phase two in the commercial organization where normally companies waiting for phase three results, which is a final trial. And that's normally too late. And that's why when you start, you need to start the education, building sales force. And that's why, you know, you can't launch in a very good way. So that's also kind of how they approach commercial. And of course, also how the focus around patient actually leads to a totally differentiated business and actually leads to a very high quality business. So that would be for the companies. For me as an investor, what I've been learning through kind of my career by the end of it is not the cool technology that makes it. It's all about people. It's about the people who actually execute on that technology and really 
identifying those groups and backing them up, it pays out in the long term. But it's not easy because those groups are quite unique. So you, you need to look through quite a few companies to really find those unique ones. Thank you for helping to inform and educate us on this fascinating business. It seems like an incredibly important area of investment. And somehow professionals were able to turn a drop of blood from a llama into a $30 billion enterprise with clearly more potential to come. It's a fascinating story and I thoroughly enjoyed learning about it. So thank you. Thank you. To find more episodes of breakdowns ranging from Costco to Visa to Moderna, or to sign up for our weekly summary, check out joincolossus.com. That's J-O-I-N-C-O-L-O-S-S-U-S dot com. <laughs>